The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 5. Glory be to you, O Lord. When Jesus had crossed again over in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him near the sea. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and repeatedly pleaded with him, My little daughter is near death. Please come and place your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following him, pressing tightly against him. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue ruler's house arrived, saying, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? But when Jesus heard this report, he told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid. Only believe. He did not allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They went into the house of the synagogue ruler, and Jesus saw a commotion with people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him. But after he put everyone out, he took the father of the child, her mother, and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. Grasping the hand of the child, he said to her, Talatha kum. When translated, that means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the little girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. They were completely and utterly amazed. Then he gave them strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. They think they are dead in the water. They think their boat is about to sink and they will never make it back to shore alive. So they call out to Jesus, who is sleeping, for help. Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat on a cushion. It is the cushion that covers the seat where normally the person controlling the boat would be sitting. So when they wake Jesus up from his sleep, they are probably thinking, okay, now Jesus can take control of the rudder. Now he can reset the sail, get us out of this while we keep bailing water out of the boat. And if he's not going to do that, maybe he can at least, you know, get out of the way. Maybe he can say, hey, I'm trained in carpentry. I don't know much about sailing. John, Peter, one of you guys, get in here, take over. But he doesn't do that either. Instead, he just speaks. He says, peace. Be still. And the storm ceases, and there is a great calm. Then he asks his disciples why they're afraid. And they answer by talking to each other. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus answers that question, who is this, over and over and over again on his way to the cross. And in today's gospel, which happens hot on the heels of last week's gospel, when Jesus calmed that storm, Jesus answers the question again. Who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And in today's gospel, we see that the power of Jesus' words extends beyond the weather. No matter what you are, no matter who you are, when you listen to what Jesus says, you obey, 
even if you happen to be dead at the moment, like Jairus' daughter. When Jesus raises that girl, he gives her a second shot at physical life here in a sinful, fallen world. By his death and resurrection, Jesus gives to everyone who listens to what he says, life. And not just temporarily saving them from a storm on a sea or giving them another 70 or 80 years to live here in this world, but life and glory that never ends. Jairus has heard about Jesus and he believes in Jesus. It's impossible to say exactly how much Jairus has heard about Jesus or exactly what he believes, but clearly this is a man who knows the right answer to the question, who is this? And you can tell Jairus knows and believes the right answer to that question because as his daughter lies dying, Jairus does not do what most daddies in that situation would do. He does not stay with his girl and hold her hand. And he does not wait around to join the weepers and the wailers. He gets up and he goes to Jesus for help. That is a good move. And it is the motion of a man who clearly understands the answer to the question, who is this? This is the one who sleeps during storms. And after he wakes up, he doesn't rely on rudders or mess with mainsails. He simply says, and it is. This is God. Well, on his way to Jairus' home, Jesus encounters some people who clearly do not know the right answer to the question, who is this? Messengers who say, it's too late. Why bother with Jesus anymore? And then when Jesus goes into the house, he meets mourners who laugh at the suggestion that death is sleep. These are the same kinds of evil lies that our own hearts can tell us when we have been suffering a long time or when we are in deep trouble. It's too late for Jesus to help you. You're in too deep now, even for Jesus. Why bother with Jesus anymore? We need to remember who this is. This is the one who simply speaks, and it is. This is the one who just says things and storms are calmed. This is God. This is the one who speaks to a dead little girl and says, Talitha kum, and she does it. He says it, and it happens. He says it, and death dies, and a dead girl comes to life. This is the one who says, death is sleep. I find it fascinating that St. Mark includes this detail in the account. He went in where the child was. Who cares? Why tell me that, Holy Spirit? What difference does it make if Jesus goes into her bedroom or they bring her out to him? And for that matter, why does Jesus bother walking to Jairus' home? He's a busy man. And there are many times in the gospel where Jesus heals people, performs miracles from a distance, why does Jesus walk to the house of death? Why does he go in to the room of death? Because this is what Jesus does. He goes into ugly, dark places, and he confronts the mess. When Jesus saves this world, he does not save us by lifting us up, by elevating us. 
He comes down to us. He comes right into the teeth of evil and faces it. And when he does, he says things. As he battles temptation in the wilderness, he says, Away from me, Satan. Even as he is mourning for his dead friend, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. With his cross right in front of him, he says, Not my will, but yours be done. And as he pays for the sin of the whole world on that cross, he says, It is finished. And after he has finished paying for the sin of the world, he himself goes into the grave, into that dark, ugly place, and confronts the mess of death. And after he does, he says, Peace be with you. See my hands and my side. Who is this? He is the one who goes into dark, ugly, nasty places, confronts the evil, and speaks. And when he does, the darkness becomes light, and the ugliness becomes beauty. Sin is forgiven, and death is destroyed. This is God, who goes into the mess, who says, and who makes what is wrong right. See, Jesus Christ is not a human cup that God splashed a little divinity, a little bit of God into. And he's not even a human cup that God poured divinity into and he kept pouring and pouring and pouring until finally the divine power overflowed onto the Sea of Galilee and it overflowed into Jairus' house. Now Jesus is God from all eternity. He always has been and he always will be. He took our humanness, our humanity into God when the Holy Spirit conceived him in the Virgin Mary. He is God who took on our flesh. So he is the one man who simply says, and it is. That is a mind-bending truth, which is why it's not surprising that the people who witnessed this miracle were completely and utterly amazed. Yet, as the years went on, Jesus' disciples continued to listen to what he says. And they came to understand that Jesus is the one who goes out where the storms is, where the storms are, he goes in where the death is, and he speaks. He says something, and the storm is calm, and the death comes back to life. And the disciples will understand and see Jesus do this on a grand scale. And he comes into this world to confront the storm of sin. He goes into the grave himself to meet death for all humanity, and he speaks, and sin is forgiven, and death is conquered. It takes the disciples a while, but they understand it, and they believe it. And you are also the ones who have listened to what Jesus says and believed, because he tells us what to say. Jesus tells us what to say on his own authority. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Those words have been spoken over countless souls, including your own, as water hit the body and the Holy Spirit planted faith. And they are the words of the same divine Jesus who said, little girl, I say to you, arise. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, were made alive by what he says. The words that Jesus says are pure divine power to save. 
And this is why your participation in worship services and Bible classes are not a drill, and it's not a formality. And this is why when people say to me, well, I would participate in those things more often, but life gets in the way. Oi, oh, don't get it. <laughs> what Jesus says to you is your life. That is your eternal life. And it's why if you've been away for church, from church for months and I give you a call or a text, believe me, I'm not trying to be a pest. And it's an activity that I would much rather not have to do. That's time that I could be in the bleachers at a ball game. I don't want to have to send those messages. I do it because Jesus' words are life for you. And no, I'm not going to take your word for it that you're reading your Bible at home or you're watching a live stream. Are you nuts? I'm not going to take your word for it. This is too important. What Jesus says is too important for me to take your word for it. Jesus speaks and beautiful things happen. Jesus speaks and sins are forgiven and death is destroyed and that's all there for you. It's all yours as God's gift and it is all in what he says. So what about the last thing? Jesus says after he raises that girl. He gave them strict orders not to let anyone know about this and he told them to give her something to eat. So Jesus can't stay in this place of death that he has transformed into a place of life any longer because he has work to do to go out now and do this on the grand scale for the sin and death of the whole world. So on his way out the door he gives some basic nursing instructions and then he tells everybody who's seen this to keep a lid on it. Because if they go around talking about this, it's going to frustrate and infuriate Jesus' enemies who are already starting to want to see him dead. And that could move Jesus' death up ahead of the Father's timeline. So he restricts these people from talking about who he is and what he does. You and I are under no such restrictions. We are free to tell the whole world Anybody and everybody that this Jesus is God who faces sin and death, who speaks and who fixes it. We have that divine message, the words of God in the flesh. And Jesus gives us what to say. He calls us his witnesses, his messengers, his holy priesthood. So say what Jesus says. Turn it loose. Say what he says to the people in your own family. Say what he says to a Christian who is mourning or who is doubting. Say what Jesus says to somebody who does not believe. Because it's through us that he says to others, I say to you, arise. That message is divine. And it raises from death to life. We thank Jesus Christ for being who he is, the eternal God, who took our humanity on himself. And we thank him for being the one who goes into the face of sin and death, who speaks and gives life. May we always listen to what he says and say it ourselves. Amen.